<laughs> there we go. Now we're good. <laughs> All right. What does that sound mean, Anthony? It's Freightonomics. It's Freightonomics. It's Freightonomics time. January 29th version. Freightonomics. We're here. We're here. Back we're ready. Um, so, welcome to Freightonomics, uh, the weekly podcast where we combine freight and economics. That's right. Uh, and we try to make it somewhat relatable and interesting for our crew out there. Anybody that's interested, that's worked in the trucking industry, maybe is interested in the trucking industry, freight movements in general, and also wants to know how that relates to the bigger picture of that's right. macroeconomics. I'm here with Anthony Smith, as that's always. Right. Hello, hello, hello. I am the economist here at FreightWaves. Yes, yes, you are the lead economist at FreightWaves. Yeah. And I am Zach Strickland, uh, the director of Freight Market Intelligence. Mm-hmm. So and the Sultan. So it, well, yes. But it only makes sense that the director of freight market intelligence and the lead economist would have a show called Freightonomics. That makes perfect sense. Correct. It would be weird if we didn't do that. <laughs> It'd be weird if we didn't. So we're going to start something new this week. Uh, we're going to, you know, we get so many questions here at FreightWaves uh, about what certain things mean, what they are. I remember when I first entered uh, the space way back when uh, in 2018. Uh, no, <laughs> uh, like, yeah, what? Yeah. Oh, last Wednesday. Yeah. Uh, no, uh, when you know they threw all this terminology at me and said, "You go and mm. just figure it out," you know, and that was like a new language or whatnot. Did you have a handbook? I didn't. Didn't, I didn't have, have a handbook. handbook. I had a bunch of people telling me this is what this means. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is what um, you know, and I, and then even then when they told it to me, I was like. I don't know what that means. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. You don't know what you don't know. What's deadhead? You know, yeah. <laughs> that type yeah. of stuff. Uh, so uh, we're going to start uh, doing some deeper dives on some of these issues. Yeah. Uh, start you know, real high. And... Start start high, just so everybody gets that nice backbone of information. Uh, we're ob- obviously going to intertwine that into something that is usable. Yeah. Uh, I think it'll be functional for anybody that operates in the, uh, in the transportation industry or, you know, even shippers out there, anybody that's working in the transportation department, right. uh, something of that nature. And just general, you know, I love random useless facts. <laughs> <laughs> so in general. That's uh, half of economics. That's, that's most of everything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it just depends on your perspective. Yeah, um, fair enough. So we're going to fill that up. Uh, but this, this week's topic, Anthony, you want to you fill everybody in on what we've got? Zach, I hear TL and LTL awful lot. What does is what does that mean? LTL. What is an LTL? LTL. It's a liquid transport l- lime. So 2018. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, it is less than truckload. So yeah. most, uh, I think, most people would, uh, you know, they hear about trucking and transportation. They just think of a big 53 foot trailer um, going back and forth between, you know, a shipper and a destination. Right. Some warehouse somewhere and some manufacturer. That's all trucking is. And I'm yeah. like, well, that's, that is most of it. Yeah. But there are lots of different subsectors of trucking. Yeah. And that's an idea for another day. Yeah. Uh, breaking down all those okay. subsectors of what it means to be in trucking and transportation. Uh, but LTL is uh, trucking's little, little brother. Okay. Um, so what that means, less than truckload is exactly what it sounds like. Uh, it's not a clever acronym for anything that's, super complicated ltl is less than truckload which means anybody that ships and it's typically not just like less than a truckload like Mm -hmm. not all truckloads fill up the end of a trailer you know you typically have these 53 foot trailers 48 foot containers etc and everybody just thinks they're full 
all mm-hmm. the time. Well, I think anybody going down the dry, the interstate can see these flatbed loads. They're not full. Yeah. You know, you can see there's lots of space. Well, a lot of times it doesn't make sense to ship a full truckload because you don't have enough. Mm-hmm. So it's going to cost you too much. Why would you spend, you know, $2,500 to ship something from Atlanta to Dallas yeah. uh, that is only taking up like, you know, two pallet spaces on a truck. Yeah. And a pallet space is the LTL. It's it's basic the basic unit of shipping in LTL is yeah. a pallet. And that's like your standard 40 by 48 uh, by 40, you know, tall width dim- dimmed mm-hmm. out pallet. Mm-hmm. So about, you know, you add, it adds up to around 64 cubic feet okay. of space. You can stack them. You can unstack them, et cetera. Some of them can't be stacked. But LTL carriers are concerned about what that is. Because gotcha. truckload, it does. They don't care what's on there. You throw it in there. They just, you know what? You're paying for it all. Yeah. You can do what you want with it. Okay. It's like renting a space. Gotcha. You got all 3,604 cubic feet of that trailer to use, however you want, as long as it does not go overweight. Yeah. Or under dim. So there's there's the other aspect of it. So LTL carriers care about space mm-hmm. and they care about weight, but truckload carriers are mainly just concerned about weight. So Zach, when I'm driving down the road. And I see those trailers. It's like those two small trailers, one behind the other. Mm-hmm. Is that LTL? So it it is traditionally an LTL form of okay. movement. So you're seeing those twin 28s yes. uh, going down the road. And this has been a hotly debated topic in legislation, whether or not there should be uh, twin 33s. Okay. Uh, but again, the truckload carriers don't really want that because that further, de- it adds capacity to the market. Yeah. It means LTL carriers can carry a little bit more. Now, I would argue that that's not necessarily the case mm. because LTL and truckload are two totally separate things. Yeah. Now, back when LTL was, you know, there's always been LTL, but back when it was deregulated and all this kind of stuff, it really became, I guess, somewhat of a competition for truckload. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you might ask yourself, well, how much is LTL in comparison to truckload? How much is LTL in comparison <laughs> to truckload? So in terms of revenue production, yeah, it's about a tenth the size of truckload. So it's a much smaller, much part. much smaller part. Yeah, uh, we've got about a thirty-five to forty billion dollar uh, segment of the transportation or the trucking uh, industry, uh, whereas truck four hire truckload is roughly three hundred fifty to four hundred billion. Gotcha. And then you have a big bunch of private fleet stuff, some parcel mixed in there. Parcels about sixty million billion, I should say. So um, parcel. Does that not fall under less than truckload? No, okay. no. Parcel is not its own less thing than truckload. So parcel is uh, technically defined as shipments below roughly about a hundred ten pounds. Okay, and not palletized. Gotcha. But that's not like a steadfast rule. It's not like, well, this is an LTL shipment and this is a truckload shipment. This is a no. That's not how it works. It's just what's the most efficient way of transporting this good with cost and timeliness and utilization. Gotcha. So you have service, uh, space, capacity, mm-hmm. um, and then, of course, the cost aspect. It's a big deal. Right. So you're trying to figure out as a shipper, which one of these modes is the most effective for me to meet those needs? Service, rates, and then, of course, capacity. Right. Um, and, you know, a lot of times these shippers, this is why LTL exists, mm-hmm. because they can't, they don't want to sit there and wait on, you know, to build a full truckload, if you're a smaller shipper or you have a smaller destination in mind, not necessarily getting able to handle, you know, 26 pallets, but they can handle one or two pallets at a time. Yeah. Um, but they need to get it there 
relatively quickly. So they can't sit on these shipments. They don't have space to sit there and store it and wait on a full truckload to take these things to them. So they send it LTL. Yeah. Well, the LTL segment is pretty different in the way that it manages its network. Okay. Can you imagine why? Is it because they have less to ship and so they have a higher frequency sometimes? Well, yes, that's that's accurate. So the biggest difference here is that LTL, since they do have small shipments, mm-hmm. they're not going to go and ship that one pallet across the country on their 28 or 53 foot. So we're getting into links of haul here. Yeah, they're, they're, they, they, they have a much different network. Okay. Because they have what they call a hub and spoke type deal or a P&D uh, network mm-hmm. around these terminals. Traditional truckload goes from Target DC yeah. to Target DC or Target Warehouse to Target DC, unloads the truckload. From there, the Target DC, which is a big distribution center that mm-hmm. services all the retail stores, they will then load up another 53-footer sometimes yeah. and send it to the retail store if okay. they have enough space. But it'll be a bunch of varied products. They don't have like a truckload of you know, umbrellas for the summer season. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, it'll be some umbrellas, some TVs, mm-hmm. some, it'll be a mixed bag of stuff that they bring from their DC to the store. Yeah. Well, the way that it gets to the DC from the shippers is it can be a truckload yeah. of TVs and et cetera. And that makes sense. Well, what if they have a commodity that doesn't take up a full truck, but they need it there, say they need some replenishment. Mm-hmm. You know, the shipper shipping out a bunch of grills, you go pick them up take them to your facility, deconsolidate it, and yeah. now you're shipping out. They need two more pallets of grills going there instead of a full truckload. Yeah. So it's it's all about uh, the dynamic, the relationship between the shipper and the consignee, how they're trying to manage, mm-hmm. you know, their inventory levels uh, and whatnot. So it's, it's kind of an answer to the just-in-time uh, type deal, even though it's not necessarily just-in-time. It's, it's along those same lines. Yeah. When they don't have the space or the demand for a full amount of stuff. Right. And real quick, mm-hmm. for those of you that are watching right now live on LinkedIn or YouTube, we are actually monitoring. I'm monitoring the the comments here. Comments. So uh, send in those questions, comments, what have you, and we'll get to you. Um, one of the things that you mentioned is commodities. So in my economist mind, I'm thinking metal or... Things gold. Like gold, yeah, <laughs> platinum ore, <laughs> yeah, those things. But that's not the no. That's so oil is considered a commodity. I mean, yeah. commodities are anything. They're technically any anything good or yeah. item. Yeah. And the way that LTL uh, carriers think about this is, you know, since they are concerned about what's on that truck because that tells them how much it's going to weigh, mm-hmm. how much you know, type of shipment characteristics, how much it costs if you damage it. Yeah, another big difference between truckload and LTL. They touch the freight a lot more often. LTL does. Yes. Gotcha. So LTL traditionally works. You have a P&D network. So pickup and delivery network from a place. So say you wanted to ship something from Calhoun, Georgia, down the road here. They're going to send out a truck, and it's going to pick up a bunch of different stops. Mm-hmm. Maybe multiple stops in Calhoun, Georgia. Yep. They're going to go around to Dahlonega and Etowah and all the little small towns around there picking up random freight, mm-hmm. normally within about a 50 to 100-mile radius of that satellite terminal yeah they're going to tick up that pallet or two or whatever it is take it to that terminal Mm -hmm. they're going to combine it with other freight and then ship it to potentially another hub terminal okay so they might it might be atlanta uh is their hub facility for Mm -hmm. that area so they pull it into atlanta from the calhoun 
area, and then they need it to go to San Antonio, Texas. Then it will ship across. Now, this will this is where truckload and LTL overlap. They line up going to, uh, like, the line haul is the truckload movement of the freight. So LTL carriers outsource a lot of their line haul to traditional truckload carriers as well as use their own trucks. What is line haul? So line haul is the truckload movement between two terminals. Gotcha. So it will be a full truck Mm -hmm. going from Atlanta to Dallas or San Antonio, wherever I said it was going. Yeah. And then they'll deconsolidate it. They won't deliver everything on that truck okay. from their specific, like right away. Like it'll, it's going to, that line haul is a truckload movement. You know, truckload carriers out there will know this. You don't want to have more than a couple of stops okay? because it's inefficient. And then your costs are, that's another conversation altogether, but your cars costs are actually, you're paying a lot more for freight. If you, you know, you're paying for the entire movement on a truckload. So if you're going to stop in Dallas and stop in New Mexico, yeah. You're paying for the entire length, <laughs> okay. even though you're not using the full truck. Gotcha. <laughs> so that's another topic altogether. But they stop in Dallas. They take off all that freight. And then they put it on their dock, a cross dock, mm. if you will. Cross dock. Yeah, they'll cross dock it, which is the movement of the pallet across the dock. And then it will go into a delivery trailer. Okay. And that delivery trailer could be a box truck, okay. which is your straight truck. You see that, you know, the furniture movers and stuff so like that. So that, that's starting to get into like a whole nother mode. Or, or it could. Is Final Mile a mode? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it is not. And, uh, and if, you, if you read any of our stuff. Uh, it, so, yeah, and Final Mile does get confused with being a, some sort of sub-segment of LTL. Yeah. It's not remotely the same thing. Yeah. The operation itself is, is far disparate. Um, they, Final Mile doesn't have your traditional hub-and-spoke movement okay they 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 have normally the final mouse sector is like you bring it to my facility Mm -hmm. i'll have somebody go out there and then they have this inside delivery aspect of it this setup segment basically like having a larger commodity (laughs) which can be like furniture appliances clothing uh you know name something that you get (laughs) pictures Mm-hmm. uh podcast booths yeah <laughs> i order those all the time yeah yeah and they uh and they'll take those and they'll set them up in the facility or house or whatever it is uh, a lot of this is uh you know one of the things that has been growing a lot more in recent uh years has been the grocery sector yeah. final mile well if it's not on a pallet uh it's not traditional ltl so gotcha. ltl wants to bump docks they want to bump facilities mm-hmm. because there's not uh they're trying to deliver pallets of freight they're the the final mile sector is kind of like what ltl is to truckload so final mile is to ltl it's it's a little bit more specialized smaller shipments not necessarily in size because you do have some of your larger items but it's in between that parcel and ltl sector okay um and they specialize in delivering those goods right and it's very complicated because those commodities tend to be very irregularly shaped Mm. They're not on pallets. Yeah. That's why LTL likes pallets so much. Yeah. They can easy. control it. It's You can stack squares and rectangles on top of each other. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't know if you've tried to put a jigsaw puzzle together lately. It's been a couple of weeks. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, think about it in terms of, you know, space. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to stack up. You know, you're, you're filling the trunk mm-hmm. for a long haul. Mm-hmm. 
So all those items that are going on final mile, they don't have to be on pallets. Like most yeah. LTL carriers are saying, I need this to be on a pallet for me to handle it. It's going to make sure that you don't, we don't damage it. Mm -hmm. It's going to stack with other stuff better. I mean, my old company was a carpet hauler. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and we didn't want to mix it with other things that weren't carpet mm -hmm. because it was very, you know, there, there was, you know, it just wasn't as efficient. Yeah. Um, you know, in terms of moving it, you had different, uh, you just want the same shape with the same shape yeah. in general. Yeah. Final mile carriers deal with this all the time and mm -hmm. the way that their stuff is shaped irregularly. So fitting it all on one truck is very inefficient. Um, also, you have to think about when you're delivering something, you want the heavier item up front behind you on the delivery route. Yeah. There's all sorts of stuff that goes into that, that, you know, LTL, traditional LTL, Paladise Freight, they just stack it up uh, in terms of, you know, what the stops are. Yeah. And then they'll deliver it on their route. Um, so the deconsolidation happens in Dallas. They put it on the delivery truck with other freight going to a similar area or a similar route, go around, make their stops a pallet or two at a time. Okay. And, you know, one of the common questions is what's too big for an LTL shipment? Zach, what's too big for an <laughs> LTL shipment? Yeah. Uh, so LTL shipments are traditionally less than 10,000 pounds okay, or about five to six pallets. Um, anything over that is considered a volume shipment. Okay. Um, and then, you know, it's not that the LTL carriers won't haul these things. Have you heard the term volume shipment since you've been here? Not that often. Yeah. Not that often. Yeah. Well, it, 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 it happens on occasion. Uh, and I know that we've talked, I've talked to numerous people that are concerned about their volume shipments because it is a common practice for some shippers to have 15,000 pound shipments on the regular. Yeah. So they are still by scale more expensive than truckload because it's still a consolidation effort. You mm -hmm. still hit docks and they actually can disrupt your network. Okay. Uh, especially LTL networks, uh, pretty significantly. Um, but they, you know, you can call in, get a quote, uh, but it will be pretty, pretty expensive. So if they could wait, but most of the time they can't, They're, they've already figured that out. Yeah. They can't wait. Yeah. And so with the differences between truckload and less than truckload, as you mentioned, there are different networks, right? The, are there certain companies that do both LTL and truckload? Yeah, there's lots uh, well, well, I can't say lots. There's so the top twenty-five LTL companies basically are. Oh, I forget the stat off the top of my head, but it's roughly thirty-one billion of the forty billion dollars. Right. <laughs> so it's far less fragmented. Uh, but you do have some companies that do both. I mean, all LTL companies haul truckload. Yeah. Because of their line haul networks. That's a uh, so in that sense. When I was talking about truckload competing with LTL. Mm -hmm. It's still a competition in that way, but those truckload carriers won't have access to that freight in general. Okay, you know what I'm saying because yeah. it's we're act, and in a lot of cases they're handing them off. UPS, for instance, mm -hmm. 2018. I don't know if you heard about this year, but 2018. 2018. It was a very busy year. It was a busy year. It was a very busy year. Yeah, everybody basically got, you know, they felt it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so they, you know, had this, you know, significant increase. And activity, all these LTL uh, carriers got increased volumes, truckload carriers got increased volumes, et cetera. Um, so 2018, and I forgot where I was going with that. <laughs> <laughs> I just forgot. <laughs> I just totally lost my train of thought um, out of nowhere. Were, were you making a connection on LTL and truckload um, kind of coming together 
I guess. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So they they do comp- they don't necessarily compete. Mm. Uh, 2018. So the LTL shippers will ship LTL independently of their truckload shipment. Okay. And their truckload shipments will, um, you know, they haul them in a different. They almost put them on a separate dock. The LTL stuff has to be separated out a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, so the truckload carriers aren't going to have access to that freight anyway. Okay. Uh, because there's a reason, like, unless you're going to pay, like I said, $2,500 to ship two pallets from mm-hmm. Atlanta to Dallas, like that's not cost effective. You're probably going to figure out a way around that regardless. Yeah. Um, for whatever you've got to do. Uh, but so they're not technically in competition gotcha. uh, in that regard. And some of those, you know, a lot of these carriers will have an LTL subsector. Mm-hmm. My company, for instance, back in the day was a subset of us express, but we really didn't have a lot to do with each other. Gotcha. We actually got away from using their equipment uh, over time. Mm-hmm. Um, at, of course, we would we try to help them with certain accounts every now and again. But really, we were two separate companies. Yeah. Uh, we didn't really, you know, there wasn't necessarily a lot of synergy there mm-hmm. uh, in terms of, you know, and there can be. I mean, UPS, FedEx, yeah, the two largest uh, for hire carriers in the United States uh, by revenue. Um have LTL divisions. Okay. FedEx Freight. Yeah. And UPS obviously has their division. And um they they will use UPS trucks to haul it. They have mm-hmm. truckloads, mm-hmm. but they also outsource to okay. other carriers for some of that. Because you only want to have enough to handle like a certain mid range mm-hmm. of your high and low. Yeah. There in the middle. Gotcha. So yeah, that's that's I mean LTL and truckload, they they seem they act like they're competition but they're really not yeah i mean us express and and my division weren't really we didn't compete with each other by any means we actually helped each other out more often than not um one way or the other because our segments just were so different gotcha uh the pricing for instance for a truckload and so one of the things so this might go be a whole nother thing down the line um you mentioned you're not going to ship something truckload when it's just two pallets. Typically, you'll right. find a way around it. Right. Expedited shipping. Where does that fall? So that's that's a di- so now you're talking about just expedited LTL or mm-hmm. expedited truckload. Okay. Like so, expedited is really just a way of saying I want something above that the normal standard of service or mm-hmm. potentially guaranteed delivery. Okay. So it could be within the normal standard mm-hmm. of you know say this you know the Atlanta to Dallas lane that I'm picking on that's a two day run. Normally, we'll guarantee that it's there in three. Well, I want to make sure that it's there tomorrow. Mm-hmm. That would be an example of an expedited shipment. Or I want to make sure it's there in, at minimum, two days. Yeah. Again, just guaranteeing that service. Even though there's a good chance that freight's going to get there in two days, mm-hmm. you just want to make sure that it's there. So it doesn't really matter if it's truckload or LTL. Expedited okay. is, is what it is gotcha. on its own. Gotcha. It's just an uh, extended service of both. Gotcha. And so... LTL. Hmm? Less than I, truckload. I hear <laughs> this thing of the gold standard of less than truckload. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what you're talking about. Who, the, who is the gold standard of LTL? Well, that would be a little group called Old Dominion. Okay. And Old Dominion is, you know, one of the, I guess it's one of the bigger companies in terms of transportation, I believe they're in the top nine overall, top nine or ten yeah. of overall freight uh, or trucking companies in America. 
And, you know, I have some notes here. They're, yeah, they're roughly worth about $4 billion okay. in revenue. I think 2019 number is $4 billion. Uh, the number three largest LTL provider in the country. Um, but in terms of service expectations, mm-hmm. uh, they're widely considered as the, you know, the best. Their operating ratios are down in the 80s. Yeah. Which consistently is not common even in like 2016 yeah uh, i think they were in the mid 80s in that in that range in 2016 um, being a very a rough very, year yes thank you for that clarification uh 2016 not a great year for freight and they still operated their their socks off yeah uh back in the day now we just had breaking news this month okay over a little company called xpo you heard about xpo is that bradley jacobs yes over there yeah, yeah that's I, good old bradley jacobs i think i've heard of them once or yeah. twice yeah <laughs> So if you've been to any of our events, yeah, yeah, <laughs> uh, I believe it was last fall that Bradley Jacobs was there, and he, you know, it, effectively XPO bought this company called Conway, mm-hmm. and Conway back in the day was actually the gold standard for LTL. Okay, um, and that recently, I mean, that changed. Not that they really degraded that much or anything like that. It's just Old Dominion basically got on top of it and really started growing. Uh, getting a little bit more, they gained some market share. Yeah. Um, XPO uh, again, Bradley's. I mean, they're deconsolidating their their holdings and they're yeah. holding on to Conway yeah. for a reason. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so everything that they absorbed is now uh, part of you know this. It's just basically the Conway platform that they're holding on to, and they're going to you know try to sell off a bunch of their managed transportation, what they call their North American transportation division. Okay. Which is like brokerage. Uh, managed transportation, et cetera, and it's, as a unit, they're trying to sell it off. Uh, but they're going to hold on to the the LTL s- sector. Gotcha. Um, and you know, there's a lot of people that you know they're they're wondering like why this is happening, et cetera. Like, I think I understand why. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's because that division runs really well, running really smoothly. But also, XPO is a very it, it didn't horizontally integrate. Gotcha. Conway with all these other divisions because they again everybody goes back to this truckload versus LTL thing how mm-hmm. connected are they they're really not they're really you know yeah they compete in the way that they do have some sort of capacity yeah. that they do add to the market but this is a totally different sector of business they are not even they're not remotely the same thing in terms of how shippers uh, use it yeah and how carriers manage it like gotcha. I said Truckload, A to B, yeah. LTL, um, A subset A mm-hmm. to A, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, to B, mm-hmm. then maybe takes a journey to C, then C subset C, yeah. and then delivery finally. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah. it's, it's a multi-step journey. So there's a lot more costs involved in that. Yeah. Can you, can you guess what this does to the operation compared to the truckload? That's going to increase operating costs, yeah. operation costs. Yeah, significantly. Yeah. yeah. And a lot more moving parts. And so with those, in, a lot more moving parts, mm-hmm. a lot more hands mm-hmm. uh, touching the, the, the commodities. Um, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> the, what does this do for, does this have any effect on insurance costs? Yes. So uh, traditionally, LTL carriers will touch the freight mm-hmm. more than the truckload. Truckload carriers don't even need to see or touch the freight. Yeah, you just. They close it up, put a seal on yeah, it, haul it, yeah. haul it. They check that it's there, and then when they break the seal on it, uh, the destination checks off that it's there. And mm-hmm. they, so the truckload carriers don't have to have cross docks or facilities like that. Yeah. LTL companies touch the freight gotcha. every single time. They're touching the freight because that pickup 
is going to go to a cross dock facility or some form of, uh, you know, docking mm-hmm. area uh, where it'll be staged. And that means just put on a dock yeah, <laughs> yeah. for loading. Uh, and then, so that means that every time that you move that piece of freight, there's a chance that you're going to damage it. Mm-hmm. You, know, you have forklifts on all these docks. Yeah. And they go right underneath that pallet. Well, a lot of times those forks, when they're flying around real fast and you're, you know, you get a lot of dock workers out there just basically like, well, I'm doing this all day long. Yeah. These little concentrations yeah. is right in the side of the pallet, damages the freight or whatnot. Again, movement, mm-hmm. there's always, a, there's increasing chances. So you have cargo liability okay. issues on LTL that you don't really have on truckload, even though there's still cargo liability on truckload. but. Mm-hmm. The odds of damage are higher on the LTL side. Gotcha. Uh, even though Old Dominion does claim a ninety nine point nine percent claims ratio, so when you Impressive. hear, yeah, when you hear these these LTL carriers talk about, you know, service and revenue and stuff like that, those kind of achievements, they'll always mention their claims. Yeah. If it's something we're talking about, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, because that is a, a bigger deal. Gotcha. For the LTL side, and it is it does create costs, and most shippers will ask LTL carriers about their claims ratios. Yeah. Whereas on truckload, they're just asking about your service and your price. Gotcha. And so to that aspect, yes, insurance does play a little bit higher factor. But other than that, you're talking about, you know, a lot. Everything else is the same. Okay. All the auto liability insurance and stuff like that, that's all the same. Uh, They're still covering the same, like the same miles, if not more mileage, because it's going to, you're going to have a increased miles per shipment. Gotcha. You know, if you're because sh- you're taking a more circuitous route because you're having to consolidate yeah. at other docks, whereas the truckload, it's a lot less mileage uh, going in between them. And if you're a driver, right, you're hauling these goods, um, can you just switch back and forth from truckload to less than truckload depending on what your, I guess, lifestyle that you're wanting, like being able to just go regionally, um, A, Subset A, B. <laughs> I, I mean, so LTL, P&D drivers, mm. are, their attrition rates or the rates at which they leave the company are a lot lower. Yeah. Uh, because it's essentially like a dedicated run. And therefore, they. but at the same time, since it is kind of a dedicated run and it's more desirable, easier to fill those spots, they don't get paid as much. Gotcha. They are more uh, paid on an hourly scale versus a per mile scale. Um, or they can even be paid per stop or per route. Gotcha. Uh, there's other variations of it. They're not just traditional mileage pay, uh, which is a, which predominate, which dominates the truckload yeah. sector. So they're going to be home every night more than likely. Um, there's a few out there that'll run those long pedal runs in Texas and North Dakota and upstate Michigan and stuff like that. But more often than not, they're going to be home every night running multiple stops though. That's gotcha. a big difference is these truckload over the road guys, a lot of them like to be on the road driving. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If you're a P&D driver for LTL, you're not driving as much. You're making a lot more, you're making around nine to 12 stops a day, mm-hmm. dropping off a pallet every now and again. And that's another difference between truckload and uh, LTL. Yeah. Because it's less freight, you don't get as much time at each stop either. So gotcha. the truckload, they're going to sit there for a couple hours, yeah. getting unloaded or loaded or whatever it is. And then detention. Yes, detention. (laughs) Which we'll get into probably later on. Yes. (laughs) Different episode. Yes. So detention for an LTL carrier traditionally starts a lot sooner. Okay. uh, Because that is a huge disruption. You typically get about 
30 minutes to an hour for free at an LTL stop, but mm-hmm. it's not great if you're spending an hour at an LTL stop. Yeah. Um, because think about the day. If you're making 10 to 12 stops a day, that's, you know, that's a lot of hours. <laughs> and and, and there were, they're limited the same amount of hours of yes, service, right? Exactly. Yeah. They're still class eight drivers. Yeah. You know, they're, they're 11 hours, you know, on the clock, 14 on duty. Right. Again, those stops can count for just on duty time, but still there's only so much time in the day. Right. <laughs> right. So if they get stuck, you know, you know, think about it. If a truck, dri- a truckload is doing about two hours a day, yeah. you know, to stop, um, maybe three to four, if you, been really efficient and picked yeah. up one load and driven you know your 450 miles and then finished off depending on where you are um but an ltl truck you know just doesn't have like it, a lot of those are dropping hooks yeah which are where they pick up the truckload of freight for the pickup side so it's not as much of an issue on the detention thing because yeah. they're just picking up a full lowly, loaded trailer already and they bring it back to their uh cross dock facility yeah and then they deconsolidate that but on the delivery end most of it it's not a truckload that they're delivering yeah it's all multiple stops gotcha so now they have on the delivery end they need to make you know four or five hours worth of delivery yeah with six hours to drive yeah 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 (laughs) so if they get hung up in any one of those especially if it takes them a longer time to get to a point or not depending on their route that's why they like these 50 mile radiuses yeah if you look at an LTL network, you're going to see these little speckles all over the place. Like they're covering up their region. Averett, Southeastern, all has like clusters of terminals around big metro areas. Yeah. Um, and that's because they want to keep that pickup and delivery range real tight. Gotcha. To make those stops, those the time between stops smaller. Gotcha. Uh, because if delivering that freight, that's why the drivers too are paid by hour and stop. Because that's all kind right. of their motivating factor like i've got to be working i need to work uh, i've got to make stops to yeah. get my money yeah. etc so that that's again just like the per mile rate yeah motivates them to drive miles on the over the road sector yeah the per stop thing motivates them to make their stops gotcha keeps the truck moving gotcha and you mentioned um spoke about some of the ltl folks um old dominion being one what about truck load i was one of the biggest ones so Night Swift is the largest. That was a merger, right? Yes, Night Swift merger back in 2016. Yeah, ish. Yeah, um, the time it goes. <laughs> Four years yes. later. Yeah, um, yeah, and they are 3.5 billion dollars. Wow. So the largest LTL FedEx, 7.5 billion dollars. Bigger than the largest truckload. And again, you have to keep in mind that LTL shipments mm-hmm. are more expensive. Yeah, by about four to five times than a truckload. Like if you were to scale out every, if you had twenty six pallets on a truck, yeah, which is traditionally what fills up a truckload, if you just single stack it, yeah, that means they're all on the floor, like one pallet next to each other, mm-hmm. two wide, thirteen deep. Yeah, um, they, you, if you were to price out every piece of freight on there on an LTL mm-hmm. uh, pricing scheme, it would come out about four to five times higher. Gotcha. Then the consolidated version of all 26 of them together. Gotcha. That's what that means. It's not that it's going to cost you more to ship one pallet yeah. by four to five times. It means that if you were to price every one of those by LTL standards mm-hmm. versus the truckload standard, it's going to be significantly more expensive. Gotcha. So that $7.5 billion is a little bit 
you know, misleading because mm-hmm. it's not one to one in terms of cost and weight or yeah. size or yeah. whatever it is or shipment. Um, so Night Swift, uh, you know, FedEx is huge, obviously, yeah. but the second biggest is Yellow Roadway, that's okay. five billion. They're the traditional uh, LTL carrier. Gotcha. Yellow Roadway used to be uh, somewhat of a gold standard back in the nineties. Okay. Super efficient operation. They were Roadway back then. Yellow uh, bought them way back when. Uh, they are a union carrier. Okay. So unions have had lots of influence in the trucking industry. Gotcha. If you watch The Irishman. I so I looked at it on Netflix yeah. and I saw that it was like three plus hours. Yeah. And I decided against it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of time. It's yeah. a commitment. Yeah. Uh, I personally wasn't huge mm. on it and I love that I and again my expectations probably had a lot to do with it. Yeah. Thinking about with the good, cast. Thinking about Goodfellas yeah. and Taxi Driver mm-hmm. and all the stuff Scorsese's done, like Departed and mm-hmm. all, all this like I'm I'm amped yeah. for this thing. Yeah. And I was just like, eh. <laughs> But a lot of a lot of the a lot of that activity was you know revolved around Jimmy Hoffa mm-hmm. and the Teamsters and a lot of the you know the traditional truckload carriers back in the day back before deregulation were union, um, and some of these LTL carriers yeah. are lumped into that like A Dewey or is it New Pen I think New Pen is a union LTL carrier, not a hundred percent sure but um, the union tends to add a layer of bureaucracy. To the operation of an LTL network, uh, a yellow roadway has that, so it's it costs more by nature. Anytime gotcha. you add a layer of management, <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, it makes it less efficient. And then you're running, you know, super tight schedules. LTL does not have their ORs are comparable. You don't make higher OR in LTL versus truckload, for instance. Okay. In general, um, so it's not necessarily like a more profitable division. Yeah, it's just higher barrier to entry. Gotcha. It's hard to shoot up at an LTL network out of nowhere, whereas you can go buy a truck, start hauling tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. LTL, like I said, hub and spoke, you're wanting to get from, you know, you've got to pick up in a radius. Yeah. Then you truck load it to an area because there's not enough freight to do it by itself. Yeah. Then spit it out into another area. So you, to do that, you need to have a lot of customers. Yeah. Or a lot of shipments. And that's, I believe that's where the term freight moves freight <laughs> really starts. Gotcha. Because they don't want to cut that truck from Atlanta to Dallas until it's as full as it can possibly be. Right. It could be 40,000 pounds full or, you know, cubic feet wise, it's filling up the trailer. Yeah. They want the most efficient version of all of that, which is around 16 pounds per cubic foot. Uh, that gives you, I believe that weights out the truck and also cubes out the truck. Gotcha. Uh, at the same time, so you're gotcha. you're you're constantly looking for that average overall because yeah. you can have a bunch of pillows and mattresses and stuff sitting yeah. on there, which they don't really like to have. But it does fit well if you yeah. have like a bunch of rocks or stone mm-hmm. or sand, all these commodities. Yeah, yeah. So that's why LTL is such a commodity game because you're tr- constantly trying to figure out what the optimal mix on that trailer is. Because anything that what drives the rate in LTL is weight mm-hmm. and distance, so, not volume. Yeah, no, not, not, well, that's, I mean, in terms of density, that's, it's a, it's a factor, but you're looking for things that weigh a lot. Yeah, not a bunch of pillows. No. Well, and they get around that mm. by classifying them. Okay. So because they can't, they're not going to sit there and charge you. It's not like truckload where everything looks the same. Yeah. Dallas to uh, Los Angeles is priced the same as Dallas to Atlanta. Yeah. No, the uh, pillows are a class 150 item. Yeah. And 
sand is a class 50 item. Mm -hmm. So if you can, if you can feel the difference there, (laughs) the higher the class, typically the lighter, the fluffier it is, the lower the class, the heavier, the denser it is. Yeah. And it's not like one's worse than the other. It just means that, you know, one is going to be higher cost per pound Mm -hmm. versus the other. Gotcha. That makes sense. Gotcha. I mean, if you think about it, uh, so that's why you want things to weigh like that's what's going to drive because you can have one pound of pillows mm-hmm. and it's going to cost it should technically cost more by about uh, it should be about 100 percent more. Okay. <laughs> so double the cost yeah. of the pound of sand. Gotcha. That makes sense. Different you, classification. It, yeah. They, they kind of move <laughs> in that kind of scale because every single class. So they go there's uh, 17, 18 classes. Okay. And they go from 50 to 500. Okay. And it starts at 50, and it goes 55, and 60, 65, 70. Then you start going 7.5, okay. 77 85, et cetera. You can all look this up. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to get into the, all the classifications, but this is what makes LTLs far more complicated. Because mm-hmm. you you're not just thinking about, well, I need, I'm, I'm sending three trucks to Dallas today. It yeah. means I need to get three trucks moving tomorrow. Gotcha. Go in another place. It's not that simple. Mm. LPL has to think about that in terms of their network. If they're using their own equipment, that's why yeah. they use a lot of outsource because yeah. they don't want to add that layer of complexity that's already super complicated. Right. On trying to figure out how do I get all my trucks out of Dallas? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, we'll just send it one way because they're they're naturally imbalanced. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. All right. Well, just a, a quick reminder to you all: we are live on LinkedIn right now and uh, YouTube. So keep those get those comments in. Uh, we did have Robert Calton saying, yes, owner operators can run truckload both long and short haul. This same driver can switch to do some LTL between full truckloads. Yeah, no. And I, I've, I mean, I've heard of a lot of owner operators having a lot of success with this model. Yeah. Um, you know, if you do it right, uh, if you can manage uh, the LTL side of it as being an owner op, which is very hard to do. Yeah. Um, you can, you can really make some good money. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean the, the upside of hauling LTL as a single operator is tremendous, Gotcha. but you've got to be on point. Gotcha. Uh, because think about all the different layers of complexity that I just went through. Yeah. yeah. It's not just getting from A to B. It's A, B, C, D, E, F, G. Yeah. Then go into D, J, K, L, M, O. You know, you know, whatever that region is. So it's, it's. You can cross regions, stay inside the region, et cetera. There's regional LTL, just like there's regional. And it actually makes more sense to be regional LTL mm-hmm. versus nationwide LTL, which is what, you know, all the bigger ones are nationwide, obviously. Um, and I should mention that XPO Conway is the fourth largest LTL gotcha. company in the United States in terms of revenue in that sector. And so one of the things that you mentioned are, are those commodities that go into mm-hmm. it. And that really can really drive the freight economy, right, is those goods that get hauled and the freight. So when we mentioned earlier, 2016 not being a stellar year for um, the freight industry, 2018 being a pretty tremendous year for the freight industry. Um, And looking at what was going on at that time. So in 2016, um, we had a a freight recession and we also had an industrial recession. So we had Mm -hmm. a lack of commodities if you will to to haul on the manufacturing side um 2018 we had really a a a nice ramp up and manufacturing and we also had some pretty good activity on the consumer side as well um 
so that's really where some of the the economics, the economics, and economics, economics. And so, real quick, just jumping into some of the the, the commodity driven markets that we have going on here. Yeah, um, let's do it. You so, had some, you had some pretty decent releases come out I just last week. A lot not? of them were right up my alley with housing. Yes, a lot of housing releases. Um, Housing's really been your big star. It's been my star. Yeah, it's been my star. <laughs> that and, and the consumer. That you guys are feeling consumer confidence. You guys are feeling each other. Did you know where I was going with this? Well, with housing <laughs> stuff, <laughs> we'll start off strong. Home Purchase Sentiment Index, the HPSI from Fannie Mae, is still relatively high. Sentiment. Yeah, that sentiment, that feeling, they're feeling good. They're feeling good. And so that's really going to drive a lot of housing activity. Um, one of the areas that we really saw that was doing well um, came from the existing home sales. And so existing home sales finished the year off strong with a 3.6% gain in December. That's year over year. That's year right. over year. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry. <clears throat> that's uh, from month to month. Oh, month to month. Okay. So 3.6% gain from November. Okay. 10.8% rise uh, year over year. So wow. December from... Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a pretty substantial rise. Um, so, but there, of course, are some some hardships that are going on within the housing market on both existing and new home sales. We'll get into new home sales here soon. Um, but when we're looking at existing home sales, it's not going to have the same. So when we're looking at housing starts, we're thinking of like, okay, that's a, a house that's being built. Um, there is the, the building materials being hauled. Being a, lot, a lot of flatbed. Yeah. A lot of flatbed activity. And so uh, the, the thing I like to connect with existing home sales is like, okay, we're not moving building materials per se, mm -hmm. but we are moving goods that go into those homes like because couches couches appliances appliances yeah. things that we just covered that that get go on uh ltl and truckload and and they you know and the ltl sector does haul a lot of appliances yeah uh that's a pretty big sector for them as well as some of that furniture now you don't get as much furniture okay furniture goes largely truckload because it's super bulky i can imagine being able to palletize you just can't appliances. palletize yes you can palletize uh, you know, washers, washing machines. dryers, yeah, yeah. Um, and they're pretty standard. They're still kind of a hassle to deal with. Yeah, they're considered not necessarily the ideal commodity for LPL. Right. right. Um, but it is a pretty big sector for them. Samsung yeah. and LG and all that kind of stuff. Uh, going to these Home Depots and you know, well, formerly the Sears. Uh, <laughs> R.I.P. Um, but again, it's it's you know one of the one of the commodities we're tracking on our maritime side. Mm -hmm. And you can't necessarily see this yet, but we're working on uh, breaking this out. Is what kind of commodities are coming across the ocean? Gotcha. And we saw, we saw a lot of furniture okay come in uh, over the last uh, several months. Yeah. So um, you know, you're when you're talking about these existing home sales, mm -hmm. that's the thing to think about if you're out there and you're thinking about well, how does this relate to freight? Yeah, yeah. Existing home sales mean finishings. Yeah. Furniture appliances, things of that nature, when those are doing well, yeah. that's, that's, that's what's happening. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I have another hot take. Okay. I've never actually like gone on paper with this, but because it's such a tight housing market right now, that's also with the inventories on existing homes, mm -hmm. that's really um, making it more of a seller's market right now if you have a home. Right. And so with that, I think there's less of an onus for the owners to fix up their houses or make any kind of improvements or remodeling jobs in order to really ramp up activity that would traditionally feed into some of the flatbed or building materials being moved. And so I think that's delaying the process a little bit more for um, 
say so some of those home improvement projects so like mm-hmm. maybe the buyer is like you know what that's fine these are just this character i can work on this project later on down the line and i think that might be delaying some of the remodeling aspect sure. as well so it's a bit of a hot take maybe down the line um okay. we'll see that but yeah it was a good good month for existing home sales meeting home price for homes in december was for existing homes was two hundred and seventy four thousand five hundred dollars um, and so that the median home price, it, it rose uh, 7.4% on a year-over-year basis. And this is the 94th consecutive month of rise, year-over-year rise for wow. existing home sales prices. And so it's, in, it's inflating. It's going up. Yeah. <laughs> and I think because the such a tight labor, uh, I'm not sorry, tight labor market, uh, but such a tight inventory um, uh, for yes. homes is really jacking up those prices, especially for existing homes. Do you think that's going to continue? I think it's going to continue, and I think... I mean, at that kind of rate, I mean, that seems like a pretty... I mean, 7.4%, when you think about inflation. Yeah, that's a pretty... That's significant. Yeah, that's significant. That that feels (laughs) (laughs) bubble-worthy. And so that's the thing. I think because demand is so high right now, um, and and inventory is so limited, I think that's really going to help prop up prices uh, through 2020. And I think, so say, worst-case scenario, say there was a recession... I don't think that uh, the housing market would be as deeply impacted as it was right. in the past, um, just because I think as prices come down, more and more buyers would try to enter the game. Um, okay. And so I th- that makes sense. Yeah. So we'll see what happens on that that front. Um, but well, uh, we already had our housing recession. You know, we did. We learned our lesson, hopefully. <laughs> right? No, we didn't. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we, we like we have short memories as of as a species, but. When we're looking at across the country, um, there's going to be different characteristics. So the Midwest um, going to have the lowest uh, prices typically for existing homes. They were the median price there was right around two hundred eight thousand dollars per home. Uh, South usually is going to make up a much larger portion of the homes. Um, that's going to be just when you look on a map. This it covers usually a more larger area, um, but it's 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 a going to be over 50 percent or around 50 percent we're looking at housing starts for say oh because they they got room they got room to build. They got room i yeah. mean the midwest you got you go to chicago there's not a lot of space there's to not a lot of space um northeast especially a lot of mature market right. um going to be some expensive homes there right. um as long as some of the parts of the west coast you think california for that yeah um but you know there are different char- characteristics like california characteristic yep. there is regulations but it's 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 all different it's all going to vary on region to region um another good area uh for homes we had new home sales okay and so new home sales it dropped 0.4 percent in december um month to month but a month to month that's normal right yeah Yeah. so it's it's okay um (laughs) it's okay (laughs) it's okay it's okay because that it was still 23 percent up year over year that's crazy yeah um so I'm going to go through some of these numbers, and you tell me when it starts sounding a little bit strange here. Okay. Um, so we had the Northeast down 11% uh, month to month, down 11% year over year. Okay. All right. Midwest up 10% uh, and up 33% year over year. Oh, wow. That's a that's a, well, that's a big number. That's a big number. Why is the Midwest up so much? I and thought that was kind of a mature. It's, it's a mature. I guess they area. got a lot of room, though. There's You're not t- a ton of people moving there, but I think that's becoming more of a thing for millennials now. They're going to think they're going to start okay. moving there. But and there's a lot of opportunity around that area. Mm-hmm. You know, Minneapolis, Chicago, Indianapolis still has. There's still a lot of, a lot yeah. of room for development. I, you know, it would be real outskirts. nice if you can get like a job in Silicon Valley. 
Get that money. Yeah. You work remote. Yeah, right. Go to Kansas. <laughs> I mean, I commend you. <laughs> but um, I couldn't do that. The South, up 15% month over month, uh, down 1% year over year. Okay. Now, here is where it gets staggering. West, up 31% new home sales month over month and up 99.2% uh, year over year. What? Yeah. So. Wait. <laughs> you're gonna have to you're gonna have to back the truck up yeah oh i see what you're doing <laughs> so i think when we're looking at december um some of the stuff that was going on in the west coast i think we had quite a bit of wildfire damage going on in the latter half of 2018 so the comps get a little bit iffy there um okay. so so weaker comps but still i think overall we're heading in the right direction for year-over-year growth when we're looking at that a lot of catalysts so of course, low mortgage rates. Um, goes, I mean, this goes back to the whole like you know natural disaster stimulating the economy type mm-hmm. deal. You know, it's it's unfortunate that it happens this way, but right. it does. I mean, any kind of uh, infrastructure damaging event, yeah, wildfires out yeah. in California. I mean that that's going to have. I mean, it's it does have a positive impact in yeah. the longer run to yeah. the economy. It does. Um, so yeah, I mean, we're we're looking at low mortgage rates, low jobless claims, high confidence as always. Um, so you're telling me that the economy is doing okay. The consumer side is doing really well. Oh. The consumer side. Uh, you know, we're still kind of, uh, you know, meandering along on the manufacturing front. Um, one of the things, I don't know if you remember, uh, last, a couple of weeks ago when we really saw things heating up in the Middle East, mm-hmm. we are talking about uh, non-defense capital goods right, and all that right. stuff. Maybe defense capital spending would go up. And it did. Um, okay. Uh, but I think a lot of it was due in part to a uh, bill that was passed by Congress um, to uh, allow more military spending. And so that really helped kind of spur some of that. So in uh, um, government money, government money. And yeah. so <laughs> and, and so growth in December for new orders for defense, new orders, it surged 168 percent. I got um, and and so that is that's compared to last month mm-hmm. and so again defense spending and aircraft spending is usually volatile um, for comparison um, I think uh, so aircraft new orders mm-hmm. down seventy four point seven percent now oh, of course seven thirty seven max yeah yeah okay so it's it's a bit of a mixed bag um, business business activity is still up year over year as Measured by non-defense capital goods new orders, so um, there's that there's that little that little gleam, even yeah. though it was down month to month, still up year over year. I mean, we so as, in terms of the freight market, how it's working, it, we're not seeing any of any any real sign of any expansion on the demand side. So we're, I mean, whatever's happening right now, yeah. it's not showing up with any. I mean, it may. I think actually, what you're saying is it's actually is showing up the way that it's supposed to. Yeah. We're in this very flat year over year, mm-hmm. um, not necessarily on the housing side. So the flat betters out there should be seeing some pickup yeah. year over year. Yeah. If, if, if supply can keep up with that demand. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, and again, they can't really do much in the winter. So mm-hmm. you're really not going to, I guess you're really not going to see that much uh, in that, in terms of starting new housing right now, but maybe there'll be some pent up uh, demand here in the spring and summer Definitely. when things warm up, uh, which is where we're start. We're, kind of expecting things to pick up a little bit more in the second half of the year in the second half yeah. of the year especially I, for manufacturing yeah I, you can't get a lot worse right <laughs> <laughs> oh you can okay oh. Well, that's that's depressing but 
you know, a, a lot of our stuff now isn't as dependent on producing the stuff in in house mm-hmm. uh, in the country as much anymore. Anyway, you're getting more goods coming in from overseas, et cetera, as the manufacturing is kind of diminished yeah. anyway. Uh, so there's a natural kind of decline in that sector. Uh, oil obviously has a big deal to do with that. Yeah. Uh, if you listen to John Kingston, our resident oil, the legendary John yeah. Kingston. Um, you know, we've been waiting on the IMO thing for a while, and yeah. it just isn't materializing. Um, people have excess supply, so it, eventually they're going to do something about that. The price of oil will probably go back up, which may stimulate some things in the yeah. long run. Um, but again, a lot of people I know I was talking to him the other day when he was in town. Uh, he everybody still thinks that it's going to happen. Yeah. Just not right now. Yeah. Um, it's it's hard it's hard to say, hard to tell because things are kind of behaving differently. You know, we had Kyle on last week talking yeah. about it, and he was like, "Well, it's kind of what the market does. Yeah. If you if you think something's going to happen for long enough, mm-hmm. it does the opposite because everybody's already ready for it. Yeah. Um, so again, there's speculation involved there, which isn't the actual tangible thing. There's mm-hmm. speculation that's still driving a lot of that. So right. that doesn't necessarily mean that we're not in store for something. Yeah. Uh, speculation and things actually happening are two totally different things that we all know. Um, but yeah, our volumes are still flat. Mm-hmm. Um, we've increased a little bit in volume week over week because we had Martin Luther King last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, that does have about a one to two percent impact on overall freight demand. Yeah. So we did go a little bit up. Yeah. I wasn't even thinking about that last week. I was like, oh yeah, that should go up a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but it's still overall trend line is still down slightly. We're at a ninety six hundred something on the OTVI. Okay, so under the the ten thousand four percent underneath, you know where we would typically see your March mm-hmm. volume be. Uh, but February again, not a robust month. Right, not expecting a lot there. Tender rejection rates. So overall capacity, it's in a free fall again. Hmm. This is actually a little unexpected. Um, the fact that it's falling rapidly now. Uh, really? We were over seven and a half percent last week for total outbound tender rejection. Yes, yeah, for total tender rejection rates, and now we have fallen under, like, well into the sixes. We're, I mean, we're, we're probably going to break through that six barrier real, real soon. Okay, um, which last year at this time we were roughly seven percent, mm-hmm. a little over seven percent uh, in a flat market. Didn't really see the capacity yeah. loosen real quickly until about April May. Gotcha. Um, so it, it, we're not seeing any of those supply side contractions yet. We weren't expecting to see them in January. Um, not with any significance, at least on the, to show up in the market. Mm-hmm. They're happening. They're just not happening to where you could see it yet. Gotcha. Um, you know, the AB5 thing didn't materialize. So, but a lot of people had already prepped for it. So you're not seeing a lot of capacity come offline in California. Yeah. Uh, and then IMO not happening right now. Yeah, yeah. Um, and but insurance sure is going up for sure yeah. Uh, yeah so eventually these things will add up and we said this is going to be a slow process mm-hmm. they don't just knee jerk like they do like it takes a cataclysmic event to see this knee jerk reaction yeah and we're we're probably i mean again it's got to be a hurricane and it's probably not something we really want to see right that'll do this right it's, it's something that will just you know it's going to be a slow crawl throughout yeah. the year well anthony do you have do you have anything for us to to argue over that we don't uh, agree on. I mean, you've really upset America. I've, yeah, with the whole bacon being overrated, bacon cheese is cheese. overrated. I mean, you've gotten a lot of Chicago style pizza, deep dish yeah. pizza. I'm not even gonna say it's overrated. It's just yeah. not good. Yeah, um, shouldn't be considered pizza. Yeah. Um, I think you've stopped the whole food argument. Yeah, I was no, gonna go on curly fries next. We're done. We're done with food. Traditional fries are better than curly fries every single day of the week. I'm but not. I'm not gonna let you do that to me. Okay. Every week. 
I'm not going to let you do that to... Because I was going to bring up ice cream. I was going to bring yeah. up a lot. Okay, okay. So, off of You food. obviously don't like food. This is not... Eh, take it or leave it, you know? Exactly. Take it or leave it. This is what I'm talking about. <laughs> Fasting is good for you. Yeah. <laughs> oh Fast God. every once in a while. You don't you know? eat for days. <laughs> um, it's like, oh, do it what, what was that? The Lion King. Lion King. I don't know if that's really a debatable one, but I, I really feel like Scar got a bad rap, and he's more so the good guy than... So Scar Spider-Man. was a jerk. He wasn't um, that big of a jerk. He, he was, was put jerk. in a bad position. Why was he in a bad position? He was jealous of his brother, who was bigger and more badass, and... He got his butt kicked, which is how nature works out in the mm-hmm. jungle. Mm-hmm. The biggest and strongest mm-hmm. win, mm-hmm. survival of the fittest physically, mm-hmm. tends to work out out there. Yeah. Scar, even though he thought he was smarter than Mufasa. He was. Again, this dude was super arrogant, not likable at all. You're not going to be was. friends with Scar. He, I would want to be friends with Scar. He was, he was you know ch- who I don't want to be friends with? Mufasa and Simba. Because they're like, hey, this is your kingdom. But stay in your place, zebra. Scar is like, you know what? No, you you with me, hyenas. Cool, we're all one. It, get in where you no, fit. He in. was using the hyenas to get to be the king, and then once he got to be the king for a hot minute, mm. it all goes to hell. Yeah, because he hit a drought. It was bad timing. It was bad timing. He had no idea about how the balance of the ecosystem worked. He didn't care as long as he was king. That's all he wanted to be. He got his friends from the bottom to the top. His friends, he, he was friends with, so he was friends with hyenas. Yeah. What about the giraffes, the elephants, the, the other? You mean the cogs that just stay in their place? This that, is America. That were dying like crazy. Opportunity. It famine. was because of a drought. And you know who likes people dying? Hyenas. <laughs> They're scavengers. They're scavengers. Yeah, they are. So if you wanted, if you just want a landscape of scavengers, mm. yes, he did create a good. Anarchy. <laughs> and, and you know what Scar was? He was a little was wimp. He was, he was smart. He was smarter than Mufasa. He was a little wimp, and he needed people to die on their own so mm. he could scavenge too. You know, and this is all Simba's fault. Oh, my. Simba's a jerk in this whole thing. You know what? He was a little bit of a jerk, but he was a kid. We all make mistakes when, you, when we're kids. Nah. And he was manipulated by an adult who knew better. Knew, he was smart. Yes, yeah, smart and, and a jerk. Slightly. Maybe you need a little bit of that. He's a bad guy. He's a bad guy. He's a good guy. Got a bad rap. There's no. Got banished to this. Anyway. To this barren wasteland. Yeah, because he's a jerk brother. And because he throws the entire place out of balance once he gets a hot minute. And then he doesn't care about anything else. He's like, hey, bring me some more food. If he had a meteorologist, if he would have known seasonal weather patterns, he would have been prepped. But he he wasn't. He was King John from Robin Hood. (laughs) (laughs) Basically, just wanted to be king so he could be a jerk. Uh, everybody yeah. that because he was a little wimp and yeah. he got you know what you know what have, have fun and your mufasa fairy tale you your know who cog you know who you know lane. who came back simba and he won and everything became light and happy again. yeah i don't like that messaging you're yeah. stronger you know just keep on fighting but if you're smarter it doesn't pay off i don't also, like that also a good dude he hung out with you know timon and pumbaa for a while and didn't eat them should have anyway <laughs> that'll do it this week Everyone have a great week. We'll see you. Star was a good guy. <laughs> <laughs> he was a good guy. Where's Marianne? No, he didn't. He didn't. I, I think he probably had work to do. <laughs> <laughs>